This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I said... Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, Mike. Hello. So last week was not only our episode 47, which admittedly is a Next Generation era reference, but it was also released on the 48th anniversary of Star Trek, and we neglected to mention either of those things, and I feel stupid. Yeah, I was thinking about how, well, I thought about it being the 47th episode, and a long time ago I thought about it being how how the, the anniversary was going to fall on a, a Monday, but um, I figured, oh, it's just the 48th anniversary. What's the big deal, Right. Right. Although it's um, not a huge deal. In a couple years, it'll be a big deal. We'll yeah, do that one live. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to be. I, I I have big plans for that day. But uh, regardless, um, it, it is also the the animated series anniversary on September eighth. So people never mention that. That that's very convenient that they premiered them on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they meant to? No. I don't think they <laughs> cared at all or even re- realized it. Well, it's an anniversary. Let's release it on... Well, today we're going to cover another character. Last time we covered Chekhov, and he didn't do much, so so it wasn't super busy. But this episode, we'll cover Mr. Hakuru Sulu, who uh, ends up doing more than just screaming like a girl. Hopefully. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. find out a little through bit. our discussion. Yeah. <laughs> well, it turns out in the original series, so we'll split it like we, we usually do, or like how Mike reminded me we usually do, with, uh, we'll talk about him in TOS, we'll talk about him in the movies, and we'll talk about the JJ version of him, which we should probably come up with a new name, because the Orshi JJ version. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of anything right now. It's way too early in the morning to be clever. <laughs> new Trek. In TOS, Sulu's always in the middle of it. Like he's he's never really uh, a, a main character, but if if something's happening, he's he's in the thick of it. In the enemy within, he's freezing to death on a planet because they forgot they had shuttlecrafts. Mm-hmm. But one of the most interesting things to me is that in the first episode, the episode that premiered forty eight years ago last week, in the Man Trap, he's a botanist. I don't know if that was his if if that was his job before he was helmsman. Or if this was just like a hobby, like I'm sure that they, they've written it into the canon that, that he just dabbled in botany. But why a botanist? It just seems it seems odd that, that that would be like, well, we've got this actor here. Let's make him a botanist so that this hand puppet can get upset at a salt vampire. Like, how did that get written into it? Well, I mean, but that wasn't his first job. He had a different job in Where No Man Has Gone Before. Wasn't he a physicist or something? Astrosciences. 
Astro Sciences, yeah. Because you see him standing there on the bridge with like his blue tunic on or something like that. And it's like, well, why? What, what's, what's Sulu doing? Why don't they have him flying? But he just, you know, he was going around, trying different things, seeing what stuck. You know, he, he was also, there's probably, you know, like a number of uh, positions which were available. So he was sort of working his way up. And then yeah, he eventually maybe. got the, the helmsman thing. But is he professional at all these things? I think that, that the, the canon explanation is that he's he's so widely varied, like he's a jack of all trades, and there's yeah. just no he he finally found his, his passion. But he found his passion within like six months. This isn't college. He should have found this out in in Starfleet Academy. Well, it's quite possible. And if you take into account, you know, what we learned from the, the JJ verse, which you would assume some things wouldn't have been changed by the new timeline. You know, he is a very good pilot, right? So I would assume... Debatedly. ...that the way that this thing worked was he wanted to be a pilot. He wanted to be a helmsman. And he was like, okay, I want to be a helmsman on the Enterprise, so I'm going to take this crappy job in Astro Whatever Sciences. job is open on the Enterprise. Okay. Right. And then move up to, to Botany because it pays slightly better. And, you know, <laughs> get to hang out with Gertrude and all that stuff. And everyone knows that Gertrude's cool. And then, you know, eventually someone died. And he's like, ooh, <laughs> now's my chance. And there you yeah, go. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I suppose you need to... You need to be where the jobs are. And, you know, if you're not getting jobs where you are... I had a coworker who just moved because his wife couldn't find a job in the area. So I guess you need to be where the jobs are. And if he wants a job on the Enterprise, he should be on the Enterprise. But, like, co-piloting, I can see being, you know, a step up. But, like, being science division... There's a lot of division switching. I mean, even Jordy does it in Next Generation. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm the pilot. No, no, I'm the engineer. And he changes colors. And uh, Chekhov in Into Darkness. It's like, yeah. we need you to no longer be in the command structure. You need to be in, in services. It's like, what? how does that work? I guess I just don't understand job positions in Starfleet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you'd have to ask the writers. I mean, I can give you the real answer if you want it, but I think it's <laughs> going to be kind of a boring one. Um, but yeah, if we want to try to figure out some sort of, uh, convoluted in-universe explanation for it, uh, I don't know. See, this is what, this is why you have an expanded universe, right? It's not to tell the same stories that you've been telling for years and years and years with these characters. It's to fill in gaps like this, you know? I want to see a, a novel which talks about Sulu's rise from... Starfleet Academy, up until you get to uh, I mean, whatever that episode is where he's he's first a helmsman. What, what is it? Is it Enemy Within? I don't know. Um, but yeah, what the the episode after Man Trap or something? Corbomite <laughs> Maneuver? Is he there in Corbomite Maneuver? I don't know. No, no, the guest star is. Okay, so it's been a while, or it's it's a, it's a little bit of a, a while. So, I mean. I think we need to put out the call there, you know, maybe uh, make a plea to to Chris and 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 Matt next time they have a, a writer on on literary tracks or or the uh, the um, the editor of the Pocket Books or what is it Pocket Books these days? I, yeah. I don't know. Let's just say it's Pocket Books, and then um, 
you know, get this thing done. Let's 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 make this happen. You know, yeah. I'd buy that book. I haven't read a Star Trek book since I was like fifteen. You know, <laughs> I would totally read that book. You know, my first thought was. Well, you know, they threw out the canon, so whatever book that they wrote now would be... Oh, wait, that's Star Wars. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, somebody in the Star Wars universe write a book explaining how Sulu is canon in Star Wars, and then... I'd read that, too. And then J.J. puts him in the new movie. There we go. Yeah. Wait, that... Huh? (laughs) Well, they could put him in the new movie. I mean, uh, George Takei does play a character on Clone Wars. Oh yeah, yeah, which is canon. Yeah, so. so that's close enough for me. Yeah. So Sulu eventually works his way up from sciences to uh, navigation, and which puts him on the command track. So it puts him f- first in command, second in command. Wait, no, is it navigation? He's not. He's never navigator, is he? <sighs> You're he's the one who's supposed to keep me straight on this. He's a helmsman. Chekhov's the navigator. Sulu is the helmsman. According to Memory Alpha, both the helm and navigational systems were able to access weapons and shield functions. Yeah, because they could just like reach over onto the other guy's <laughs> station. Because so right Chekhov there. and Sulu shared tactical officer. So, yeah, Sulu okay. flew and Chekhov told him where to fly. Yeah, right. Right. Okay, I'll remember it this time. <laughs> Think about it this way. When we were driving down to Dragon Con... Yes. I was Sulu and you were Chekhov. Yes, that's how I'm going to remember. And that. you can even you can even remember that because of the way that they're sitting in in, in the uh, in the ship, right? Sulu's in the, Sulu's in the driver's seat. Anyway, because he's now in the command structure and he's the helmsman, he is now fourth in command because we've got Kirk, Spock, Scotty, Sulu. Yeah, he's fourth in command unless they decide they want a guest star to be fourth in command that week. Right. So uh, there's there were a couple times in TOS where he took command. Uh, one was Aaron of Mercy, where uh, uh, he took command while Kirk and Spock were on Organia. I'm not sure why Scotty, or even if they addressed why Scotty wasn't in command. Probably it was Jimmy Doohan's off week. Mm-hmm. Or it's more likely that, that George Takei tried to go to uh, try to get more stuff for his character to do, which I don't blame him. Uh, another time was Omega Glory, when uh, everybody went down to the planet and Sulu was left in charge. He doesn't get to uh, try to mutiny. He doesn't have mute- people try to mutiny against him, because usually if he's in charge, it means you know McCoy and Scotty are in the thick of it, and they can't try to take over the ship from him like they did to poor Spock. Well, also, he's a good commander. I mean, as we'll see later on, he gets his own ship and everything like that, and I think... You know, one of the reasons is because everyone likes him. They're like, oh, yeah, this guy's great. We've never had to mutiny when this guy was in command. Sulu seems like, like a fun-loving guy. He's got all those different interests. When he gets drunk, he picks up a sword and runs around with his shirt off. Yeah. You know, everybody else just paints on the walls or walks around the corridors weeping. He's just like, I'm going to have a good time. Uh, yeah. I feel like it, it's really cool that he has this this command ability but he also has this uh, this ability to have a good time. Uh, I feel like he'd be a really cool captain. Yeah, you see him hanging out with people a lot more than some of the other characters too. He likes they, they, there would be a lot of uh, and and I'm sure this was p- part of the reason for that is because they wanted to show 
numerous times, you know, the general camaraderie among the the lower decks, you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was their one of their token lower deck guys. You know, this is back before everyone was a commander on like next gen or, or even in the movies. You know, I, I think that that was kind of partially the the role of of these uh, supporting characters was to show general crew members, and you know, you do see him like hanging out with people, you know, and and you don't see that too often. I mean, there's a few times here and there, trouble with tribbles, of course, where you see Chekhov and Uhura, you know, going to the bar and stuff like that. But that, that was one of the things which I always thought was cool was like seeing mm-hmm. Sulu off duty. Yeah, especially during, like, shore leave, he's got a lot to do. Mm-hmm. He summons a gun, and he summons a samurai. I mean, he's just all over the place. Yeah. An- another cool thing about Sulu uh, in the original series, before we move on to the movies, I think, is that uh, casting, like we talked about with Chekhov, it was really a big deal to have Chekhov there, have a Russian on the bridge, because we were at Cold War with the Russians. And... uh is it's good having a Japanese actor on the bridge because you've got because we just within the last eighteen years I think is when World War Two had ended uh, and I, I feel like there was at that point I guess okay twenty twenty years there there I feel like there was still a lot of people still harboring resentment I mean I mean then look what we did I mean George Takei himself spent time in in an internment camp during World War Two. So uh, I feel like a lot of these wounds would still be fresh, and it would be—it was probably very reassuring to see, a, you know, this multinational bridge with people that we don't care for now, and people that we didn't care for twenty years ago, all of them working together. So I think that's a big deal. I think that's that's something that might be overlooked. Yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, the idea of having um, an Asian character on the bridge, I think, was sort of a, a a must a must have you know i mean when you think about um the idea of making it very multicultural and there being you know an, an african character and and you know it is kind of weird when you think about you know some of the 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 ethnicities which were excluded like there are no hispanic characters like ever in the history of star trek which is kind of weird. And, um, you know, there, there's no Native American character, but Asia makes up such a large part of the world that you would have to have that. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea of going specifically with a Japanese character, I think, is, you know, really cool, and I'm sure very, very intentional on Roddenberry's part. So in the movies, we finally see Sulu... After the first few movies, of course, the first few movies are, you know, rough and tumble. In the first movie, everybody, the gang's all back together. In the second movie, they're just all on the ship for training crews for some reason. So he pilots because the kids can't. Yeah, but, I mean, we should talk about Star Trek too because it is rather significant in terms of what Sulu doesn't do. You know, I mean, to me, it's very clear that Chekhov's role should have been Sulu's. You know, if you think about it logically, it just makes sense. You know, Sulu was the one who was there in season one when mm-hmm. Space Seed was occurring. Sulu is the one who would logically be the commander, you know, or on that path, you know, be a first officer, especially knowing what 
came later, you know, not that they knew that, but, you know, I mean, Sulu was definitely ahead of Chekhov in terms of, of the command structure and everything, and um, it just makes sense for yeah. Sulu to be in that role. And he probably would have been in that role if they had caught it. But, you know, I think like we were saying on our checkoff episode that the, the person who they gave the script to to catch it was Walter Koenig. And he was like, <laughs> oh, everything's good here. I'm liking this script a lot. There's nothing wrong here. <laughs> so you got to think poor, poor Sulu. I, I doubt that. I doubt that that Sulu and Kirk had the the relationship that that Takei and Shatner had, but uh, I, I imagine that Sulu, if Sulu was was the the checkoff role in Star Trek Two, imagine like finally I'm away from Captain Kirk and I can prove my prove myself. I'm first officer on this ship, and this Terrell guy, he's he's all right, but you know I can I can I can do this, and I can I can be a good officer, and then he gets captured. And, you know, brainwashed and then, you know, saved by, of course, Kirk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, let me go out on my own. The, apparently, in the novelizations for both Star Trek II and Three, Sulu was supposed to become the commander of the Excelsior. It's definitely in Four, because mm-hmm. I've read Four, and they talk about that. I'm like, really? They knew that? Wow. That's cool. Yeah, in, in Two and Three, it, uh, Memory Alpha says... That he was supposed to be given command of the Excelsior, but after the uh, Genesis incident, they decided to give command of the Excelsior to Styles. That's interesting. That's interesting that they even mentioned the Excelsior in the novelization of two. Yeah, in yeah, that's crazy. You got to check that out. Yeah, this sounds very interesting. I'm sure I can find it at my used bookstore that has all the all the old Star Trek books. I think my favorite like Sulu moments are Star Trek three. Just him, like the whole "Don't call me tiny" thing. Yeah, uh, I, I think is just great. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I was uh, growing up, you know, and, and you know, people would be like, "What's your favorite character?" And you know, you can't say Kirk or Spock because, I mean, that's what everyone says, right? You know, right. So I was always like, "Well, my favorite character is Sulu." And really? I think, yeah, and I think one of the the big reasons for that was. Uh, that stuff in Star Trek Three, and then I think probably Star Trek Six as well. But yeah, the stuff in Star Trek Three is great. You know, that scene. Don't call me tiny. Yeah, excellent. I just I I cheer every time. I can't imagine being in theaters and seeing that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in Star Trek Four, he gets to uh, he gets to fly a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And there was like a whole subplot cut out where like he goes to. I forget because there's like a there's like a large uh I'm guessing there's a large Japanese population in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. And and I he says so. like San Francisco, I was born there, you know? There's like a whole thing where like he goes and meets his his Yeah, like he runs into a kid who, you know, he talks to for a minute and then somebody yells, you know, blah 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 Sulu, get back here. And he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, that was my grandfather." Yeah. Yeah. But the kid didn't behave. Uh, uh, he wasn't, he was too nervous and, and so they had to, to, they didn't even get to film any of it. So it's not like something we can get on the Blu-ray that's not, you know, washed out to hell. They should, they should have talked to, uh, Terry Gilliam and he would have told them, you know, like, you gotta have a backup, right? For when you're, 
No? Oh, you haven't seen that? In no. Tw- in 12 Monkeys, there's the whole thing where, like, the, the little kid who plays little Bruce Willis at the end, like, he does this whole thing. And, like, the movie ends with, like, it starts and ends with a shot of his eyes, essentially, right? So, okay, cool. So, so they were like, we got this guy. He's really good. And Gilliam's like, you know, this is really important. How, <laughs> how about we also hire our second choice and just have him on set just in case our, our first choice doesn't work out? And really? sure enough, like if you watch the documentary, they're like, this is not working. And they're like, okay bring in the other kid you know and then they do and then they're like yes that worked brilliant masterpiece and i always feel bad for that other kid <laughs> but, yeah that you do feel bad for him but what kind of like how i feel bad in the episode one the yes. star wars episode one stuff you feel bad for the kids who are actually better actors than jake lloyd yes yes and you're like what in the hell are you and that's neither here nor there <laughs> yeah. but in star trek five for some reason Sulu still doesn't have a command of his own, and I don't think there's any explanation except that it was Star Trek V and Shatner wanted everybody where they were. But but you also have to keep in mind that it is kind of strange that even if they had this idea behind the scenes, they're like, we're going to give him the Excelsior, we're going to do this. Uh, you know, there there was no indication in the movies that that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Aside from like in Star Trek Four or whatever, where he's like, I'm hoping for Excelsior. And, right. you know, Scotty's like, why would you want that bucket of bolts or whatever? So, I mean, you know, you kind of got to think about it. Like, you're, after you abandon that idea in each movie, then it's gone. You know, it, it, it essentially never existed. And the fact that they kept on coming back to it is strange. So, but... But as far as Star Trek V is concerned, you know, it's like, okay, it's not there. It's not in the movies. Let's, you know, yeah. keep keep the band together, you know. But then Star Trek VI begins with Sulu in command of the Excelsior. Just no no ceremony, nothing. Just Which I think, now, now that I think about it, a lot of the, the criticisms that, I, that I've been hearing about, like, the Next Generation movies is that, they always find an excuse to bring Worf back from Deep Space Nine. Yes. And it's like, oh, Worf, you're here. Good. Shoot shoot the weapons. Like, that's, you know, let's, let's dare to not have Worf. Let's let, the, let's let them split the party. But here in Star Trek VI, they do that. You know, no ceremony, nothing. Just, you know, Sulu's over here now. Just get used to it. Yeah. You know, he's, he's going to be in the movie just as often as he was before, He's just going to be over here helping out in a different way. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of awesome. I don't know how they could have done that with Deep Space Nine, but... I mean, you... Know, you Worf, we're, we're fighting these aliens in this nebula thing. You should send Deep Space Nine to help. It's like, I'll move the station. Someday someday I'll explain my, uh, my alternate history of the 24th century and what I would have done in regards to uh, First Contact and Voyager. Um, and it is kind of all tied into that, but, uh, you know, that I guess that's for another show. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe one day we can do a huge crossover event, you know? With every show where we can talk I, about anything? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, 
I mean, because it, it does span everything. It would bring the universe together, and it would be so much cooler. <laughs> and of course, they weren't going to do that, but whatever. Of course not. So Sulu's in command of the Excelsior. He gets to uh, he gets to help uh, solve the the uh, Klingon assassination issues. Uh, he gets to to break his own you know direct orders. And uh, he gets to he gets to play captain, which is which is fantastic. Uh, he's also in Voyager in that same role. Oh wait 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 wait. Let's 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 go back to Star Trek. Well, that's 6 in because... the middle. We're not moving from Star Trek Six. We're okay. just in the middle of Star Trek Six. I guess you could look at it like that. <laughs> okay. It takes place in the middle when they're headed toward the Klingon neutral zone. I guess so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Continue. He he gets to meet Janeway and Tuvok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, That's so he does say. that thing. There's really not much else. For okay, that. so yes, there's not much else to say about that one. But Star Trek Six. I mean, this is like Sulu, you know, full throttle. Like this is this is Sulu to the max. He's he's so awesome <laughs> in this in this movie. And, you know, I mean, it starts off with him. There's, like, an explosion. Then there's him drinking tea. And then, like, the ship gets hit by the wave. And then, like, he is just, like, on point in this movie. You know, he's so good. He's, like, the best commander ever, aside from, (laughs) like, maybe Kirk, you know? And seeing him in that Excelsior and making that ship work and everything like that, oh, my God. He's so amazing. There was a convention that I went to when I was like a little kid, and I brought my uh, my Star Trek Six laser disc because I knew that that George Takei was going to be there. And I go up to him, I'm like, "Could you sign this?" And he's like, "Sure." And he's like, "I like to call this movie Star Trek Six: Sulu to the Rescue." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "That's awesome because it's so true." <laughs> Now, now all I can do is imagine, like you call into darkness with the number two. It's uh-huh. like Sulu two, the rescue. Yes, yes, he's the best. He's awesome he, in yeah. that movie. <laughs> I'm glad that that you got that signed by Takei. That's kind of awesome. There's like so many things in there. Like there's there's the scene where like Christian Slater comes in, you know. Yeah, and, you know he like he's like ah just so you know this thing and he's like what's your problem you know and then there's there's like the whole thing where they're like we'll fly her apart sir and he's like well then fly her apart fly her apart then that's what it was sorry oh my god it's awesome <laughs> are you kidding I mean he's just like it's, he, it's like he may have the best lines in Star Trek six yeah yeah and yeah and they and they quote Shakespeare like nonstop in that movie and his lines are still better than that. <laughs> I mean, he's so good. It's like a complete transformation for that character, but in like a completely logical way. You know, it's not just like what you see sometimes in Star Trek where it's like, oh, this is the same character. Like Spock going from the cage to where no man has gone before. It's like, this is the same character, but he's acting completely differently. It's like it is a logical progression, but it's Mm -hmm. like now Sulu, he's got his own ship and he's like, now I can do things the way that I want to do them and I'm going to do them awesome because that's me. You know? Oh, God. Yes. I can see why uh, they, people started pushing for a Sulu in Command series back, back in this time. Yeah, and he was all for it, too. I, I had said that back in the day, too. You know, back before I had heard it ever, anywhere, I was like, they should do this. And now? Well, we'll get to that. But anyway. <laughs> 
So now we get to the alternate universe, JJ verse, Orshi verse, new Trek, the the uh, the mirror universe of of not really mirrored. It, it's more of a, a window window universe. How about that? That works. Uh, two way mirror universe. There you go. Ooh. All right. There. We, I think okay. we just hacked that Gibson. <laughs> So in the in the new movies, we'll leave it like that. In the new movies, Sulu is a young upstart kid. He's uh, chose Korean, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yes. In this one, he uh, he's only on the Enterprise because somebody else is sick, and he forgets to take the parking brake off. Yeah. But he doesn't get to. He okay. Chekhov gets to run and say, "I can do that." Uh, Sulu does get to. Uh, do some cool base jumping. Mm-hmm. And, and then... Sword fighting. Yeah, he gets to pull out his own sword. His own retractable sword. Do you have a problem with this? Like, I have a problem with this. You probably don't. I just think it's odd that, the, you know, you can just have these on your away mission. Like, oh, you know, I might need a sword. In the novelization of Star Trek, he actually grabs a sword from another Klingon. Oh. Or from a Romulan, sorry. He grabs a sword from a Romulan and uses it. And then, you know, Kirk looks at him like a crazy person. He's like, oh, you know, I took fencing. I guess so. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But when he's like, who has hand-to-hand combat or whatever? Mm-hmm. I mean, the question is like, well, what is it? And he's like, fencing. Why would they assume there'd be hand-to-hand combat? Why do they assume there'd be I guess that is a question right there, yeah. Why why would you assume there'd be hand-to-hand Wouldn't you need that for every away mission? Yeah, that's true. So what does he do in Into Darkness? Well, Into Darkness, he does a really big thing, which to me uh, could change, or not change, but uh, signal the uh, trajectory of the JJ-verse for years to come, Okay. He takes command in mm-hmm. one of the most amazing shots I've <laughs> ever seen, okay? Where they're like, Sulu, you're in command now. And then there's that cut to him. And like, and here's a case where you see like lens flares and they and they and they do work perfectly well and 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 actually add to the story and add to this moment where like like the camera just makes this slow movement. I think it might be like a dolly in. I'm not positive. And the look on his face, and all credit to, to John Cho for, for that look, is just like, it's like a combination of like panic and then also like, oh my God, like this is happening. Like this is like the, and there's a, a little flare like right behind his head. And, it's like this moment where like everything is sort of coalescing and you're like, we are seeing the moment where this character's life is changing. It's you know? like the light bulb above his head, but it's a lens flare from yeah, the side. Right, exactly. And it's like, holy shit, he's taking command. You know? <laughs> and then he's like, I've never done this before. I'm freaking out. And then he just steps up and he does it, you know, and he nails it. And you even got like uh, Bones who's like, uh, Mr. Sulu, rem- remind me never to play cards with you or whatever, you know? And there's oh, that yeah. whole thing, right? And they make a big deal out of it. And part of it, I think, is a nod to the fans. But another part of it, I think, is 
look, you got John Cho, right? He's established. He's also starring in some sort of crazy comedy with Karen Gillan right now on on TV. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, he was doing Sleepy Hollow with Kurtzman and Orsi and everything like that. Prior to that, he was doing a show with Brandon Braga. He has, he has no problem doing weekly episodic television. Now, mm-hmm. if we're going to do uh, a a television show, it would only make sense to set it in the two-way mirror universe and it would only make sense for it to be off of the enterprise and it would only make sense for you to tie it in by perhaps bringing in a character from the enterprise so star trek excelsior coming to a television screen near you september 2016 starring john cho as captain hikaru sulu why not there's absolutely no reason why not. In fact, if they don't do it, I'm going to be mad. I don't care what <laughs> the idea they come up with is. If it's not that, I'm going to be mad. Because that <laughs> sounds like the best show ever. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I think it sounds great. I love Cho. And you love Sulu. Yeah. And the Excelsior. Yeah, I'd and, like and, to see the what the JJ universe. Excelsior would look like. I want to see that too. I imagine it would be cool. Because I Maybe like it would the look Excelsior. like the regular Excelsior. Maybe they get back to the original designs. I, I don't think I've seen those. No, I mean, oh, no, oh, like oh, the oh, Excelsior. You mean like in the movie. I the, gotcha, yeah. From the non two way mirror universe. I'm sure it would definitely be based on that. You know, that'd be cool. I know there are people who hate the Excelsior design. I don't get that. I like it. I like it too. I like it a lot. They got the, the toys now. My big, my big uh, debate has been do I get the excelsior or the b well it depends on if you're collecting enterprises if you're only collecting enterprises like i think i would i would have to get the b see my wife collects enterprises mhm i don't i don't care about that so i'm thinking i should get the excelsior yes if if you're going to have both in your household you already have the excuse to not get the b yeah all right with its little flares and stuff i don't know and we would be remiss if we uh, didn't mention demora sulu uh from uh, somehow, uh, apparently, he, he found time to have a kid who would be grown up and the helmsman on the Enterprise B. Well, you know what they say. If something's important, you make the time. Yes. <laughs> Don't quote regulations at me. <laughs> well, it's fun talking about Sulu today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM. Standard orbit. And, like, we were so busy, I, we didn't eat, like, all day. <laughs> I had yeah. a Red Bull around 5 o'clock, right before the parsecs. Uh, I could feel my teeth, like, tingling. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. Earl Grey. He was robbing the bocle, as, a, as they say it in, uh, in Klingon. <laughs> I, that's a Klingon word I just made up, just, just so you know. I think we could tell. The orb. What I also liked, too, was that... Nog said, put that in there too to Jake and let people decide. And that just summed up DS9 for me because DS9 is, you know, we're not going to tell you for sure he's a bad captain, even though obviously I think most people would agree that he was. To the journey! Oh yeah, Balana's reading romantic fanfic. Not everything is fanfic, okay? This yes, could it be is. a legitimate author with a legitimate publisher. <laughs> 
No, this is Klingon Harlequin. You know it is. Warp 5. The Orions, there's something really complex going on within their society, and there's a long-term struggle where the women have flipped the table on the men. And how does that all play out? And it's something where I wish Enterprise had gone for seven seasons and they could have continued to revisit this and we find out more and more. The Ready Room. You know, people have seen that image. That, that image in particular, just that still of her with the Desilu yeah. logo over it, is really iconic. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what I discovered is it's not a still. It's probably 26 different stills. Commentary, Trek stars. A number of scenes uh, from especially the end of Into Darkness are sort of lifted and adapted from Wrath of Khan to be used in this story. Lifted and Google translated into this version. Literary Treks. We all know Troy gets all the, the men that come on, the, the, the all the envoys, actually. You, you notice that she really likes these bad boy envoy men, you know? <laughs> she does. Continuing mission. How is Spock changing? How is he changed from the moment he met Captain Kirk from the, the, the non-mirror universe? What is his ultimate goal? Axanar, the official podcast. So basically you've got this souped up computer with this lens on the front of it. And um, because the resolution has increased so much with these cameras, the amount of data coming out of that camera is enormous. And join us in welcoming aboard Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm really, really glad that you mentioned Parliament Funkadelic. I could not watch this at all without thinking about George Clinton. Yeah, so, uh, just every yeah. time he talks about going to Parliament, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would, I, who wouldn't want to go? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Well, if you want to contact us and share your thoughts on today's show or any of our other shows, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars with Max, and you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and various other places around the internet under that same name. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive Federation and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, you know, they've got a number of Captain Sulu adventures on uh, audible.com. I'm really not sure which one to go with. So I'll just mention all three. There's Star Trek Cacophony, Star Trek Envoy, and Star Trek Transformations. I don't Hmm. really know which one comes first, but it seems like the best reviewed of these is Transformations. It was written by Dave Stern. It's narrated by George Takei, 
oh. along with Dana Ivy. It's only an hour and 13 minutes long, but the description says, Stardate 11611.8. As Starfleet diplomat Captain Hikaru Sulu speeds alone across the galaxy in his state-of-the-art shuttlecraft, he is abducted by powerful, frightening dreams. What? That return huh? him to the once desolate desert world of Sigma Cameron 4. It was here, as the commander of the USS Excelsior 20 years earlier, that he discovered traces of the ancient Shalakai, a ruthless culture who, legend held, had once uncovered the secret to eternal life. Driven to find that secret, Sulu's brilliant science officer, Commander Flynn Connor, launched a fateful mission whose outcome would forever haunt the Excelsior crew. Now, as the distinguished archaeologist Dr. Constance Alienwood... Oh, sorry, that's Allenwood. Let's go, <laughs> let's go with Alienwood. It, it sounds better. Dr. Constance Alienwood moves closer to uncovering the Shalakai's secrets on Sigma Cameron 4. Sulu must race to stop her before she unleashes a disastrous chain of events. And you can get this for free <laughs> on Audible since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And there's another way that you can support the network directly, and that's through Patreon. And uh, so you can go to patreon.com slash trekfm, and you can pledge to donate to the network directly. Your donations support the ongoing cost of bandwidth and, and file uploading that, uh, that it takes for us to, to bring the network to you each week. So you can donate. And you can get all kinds of neat rewards, like uh, exclusive backgrounds for your computer, the ability to uh, have us mention your name every episode. If you choose to to produce Standard Orbit, which we'd appreciate, that'd be really cool. And uh, there's all kinds of other things as well. So uh, take a look at that. That's patreon.com slash trekfm. Well, Mike, another character down... You know, we we do keep finding interesting things to say about these these tertiary characters, but uh, we're gonna get to the point where. <laughs> well, we had a Janus Rand episode, and she was in six episodes. So I mean, we've got, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, yeah, we can try. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mister Chekhov. Take us out of orbit, ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.